Welcome to South Asia Chat. I'm your host, Dr. Imran Ahmed, a visiting research fellow here at ISAS. Today, we'll be speaking about Pakistan's national security policy. The national security policy was formally launched in early January this year. The document elaborates the Pakistani state's five-year national security vision and lays down some guidelines and steps to achieve important goals focused on the safety, security, and prosperity of its citizens. It's the first policy document of its kind, and according to the shorter, public version of the document suggests that it was seven years in the making. Here to help us think through some of the issues and themes the document presents, as well as other related matters, is our very own director here at ISAS, Associate Professor Iqbal Singh Sevilla. Professor Iqbal, it's a pleasure to have you with us. It's a pleasure to be here, Imran. I was wondering if you could provide some background on the document. We often think of Pakistan's security imperatives are drawn up behind closed doors in Rawalpindi, where generals and commanding officers set the agenda, lay out the terms, monopolize the decision-making, and play their cards quite close to the chest. What prompted this public disclosure, involvement, and why now? And is it suggestive that Pakistan's security policies are moving towards greater civilian control and oversight? As you, as you noted, um, to start with Imran, the, um, the national security policy, or NSP, is a statement of the national security vision of Pakistan that was released in January 2022. And it aims to cover the period from 2022 to 2026. Two, two points about it that you've, you've already alluded to, which are, which are worth um, highlighting again, is that this has been in the making since 2014. So it's been seven years since uh, the process of this started. There, has been, um, there have been consultations with regards to Pakistan's security imperatives and um, its future vision. And these consult, um, stu- student bodies have been consulted, academics have been consulted, and select sections of the public have been consulted as well. This is a very interesting element um, of the formulation of this security document. However, it's also worth noting that the parliament was not part of this uh, process of uh, formulation of these ideas or discussions of this, and this led to some controversy, which which we can uh, discuss um, if you'd like to. And you've also rightly noted that the publicly available version of it is the shorter version of it, which goes about 55 to 60 pages. Um, There is a longer version, which is about double the length, which uh, is still classified and uh, which would probably be more revealing about um, certain ideas about how to achieve the issues that we've discussed. You've also rightly noted that this is the first time there is a comprehensive statement um, about Pakistan's national security vision. The word comprehensive uh, should not be taken lightly because this document does cover a number of issues, both relating to traditional and non-traditional security. This range from issues relating to national cohesion, health security, um, internal threats and terrorism, asymmetry in conventional weapons with India, Islamophobia, the need for sustainable food systems, etc. But I would also at the same time like to highlight that this is not the first iteration of a vision of national security formulated in Pakistan. I'm just give you two examples. Um, under General Pervez Musharraf's regime, there was the Vision 2030, which had emphasized the importance of economics to 
national security of Pakistan. During the um, government of Nawaz Sharif, there was a national intern- internal security policy which um, grappled with means of um, dealing with internal security threats as well. So in that sense, this document did not arise out of a vacuum in itself. But having said this, I, I do I do agree that this is a comprehensive statement. Now, if we look at the document itself, it describes itself in very interesting ways. Um, the terms used uh, to describe it in the document are that it provides a bold vision, um, it specifies big ideas, and it states that it provides a citizen-centric approach to national security. And the crux of this is that it's placed economic security at the core of comprehensive national security. Now, that's a little bit of a backdrop to what the document is and what it what it grapples with. To address your issue of the context in which it arise, the timing of it and why now, um, I feel there are three contextual points that we, we need to pay attention to. The first is the fact that Pakistan needs to understand and define its place in the changing world order. This is specifically in regard to the context of America's shifting priorities in South Asia, but also the Indo-Pacific. This also relates to Pakistan's own attempts to balance the United States and China, its um, long-term allies. And if we just look again at the wording of the NSP itself, we find that it's framed in a way that seeks to position Pakistan in, in the words of the national security policy itself, beyond camp politics of the Cold War, and yet seeks to define convergence in trade, investment, energy, security, and intelligence cooperation with the US, China, and beyond. So that's the first contextual point. The second contextual point is the need for Pakistan to clarify its own position vis-a-vis developments in Central Asia, and um, Afghanistan here being a gateway to Central Asia. And uh, as we know, developments in Afghanistan um, have, have uh, a geopolitical Im- impact on, um, on, on Pakistan itself, but also the, the impact internal developments within Pakistan. And here I'm specifically referring to internal threats or issue of militancy from the Tariq Taliban Pakistan. The third contextual point and this speaks to why economics is, um, is at the center of much of this documentation, is that Pakistan has a very real economic problem. Um, there are high rates of inflation. There is a massive current account deficit. Pakistan has been uh, over-reliant on foreign loans. And some of these loans, um, as is the case with the IMF loans, come with terms attached to it for the government to put in place certain economic and um, social economic policies which are not necessarily popular with the uh, voters or the populace of Pakistan itself. Beyond this, Pakistan is also uh, grappling with the fact that it has a limited position in global supply chains and there is a need for it to diversify and expand its exports. And if you look at the document, these three, in in my view, these three contextual points uh, uh, frame the discourse that we find in this document itself. Thank you so much for wonderfully uh, placing the basically the uh, release of the document uh, into context. Uh, I, I like what you said about 
basically clarifying its position in relation to the developments in Central Asia, explicating its position uh, and ideas on a changing world world order and sort of um, relating uh, almost sort of like a a signboard of saying, you know, discussing some of its internal as well as its economic uh, threats and uh, priorities. I wanted to delve a little bit further uh, into some of the um, main features of the document. So what I, one of the things that struck me was that the document is quite inward-looking. Um, a good portion of the document is aspirational in its nature. And like you mentioned, there's a recognition of the uh, traditional elements of national security, such as defense, territorial integrity, internal security, and diplomacy and non-traditional elements related to economic health and citizen well-being and the placement of economic security at the core of the plan. Now, uh, one of the things that you mentioned that this national security came, didn't sort of come out in a, uh, out of a vacuum, but sort of is a build-up of earlier um, national uh, security frameworks, um, is the fact so is the fact that the economic security is at the core of this particular plan, is that a significant development or policy reorientation? Uh, and uh, why do you think that the economy acquires sort of the highest priority in this particular uh, iteration of the document? The, if we come back to the contextual points itself, um, the economic challenges for Pakistan are, are, are very real. There is a recognition of, of this issue itself. Um, as I mentioned earlier, the current account deficits have, have um, increased. Um, and it's, you know, I, 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 like, I like the way you phrased that question about in terms of reorientation itself, because um, I, I suspect one of the things that, that you may be alluding to as well, and I'm, I'm sure we'll be discussing this, is the role of the army within this as well. And if this signals a, a differentiation between geopolitics and, and geoeconomics, as well. Now, it's important to note here, right, that the army has been involved in the framing of this, this document itself. But at a broader level, the army itself has emphasized the importance of geoeconomics. Uh, this, this term has, uh, has caught on in, in Pakistan security circles. If you look at the, uh, the case of um, the Pakistani military, we, we find that the chief of the army staff, General uh, Bajwa, has himself outlined the importance for Pakistan to clarify its own geoeconomic vision itself. And he speaks about, um, sustain, he's spoken about sustainable development um, and, and its importance for environmental peace and stability, etc. So the, the army is, pretty, it's, it's a, it's part of this discourse. Um, and, and here it's, it's important to note, if you look at the military um, of Pakistan historically, um, the military is an economic player in Pakistan as well. It's not, it's not, um, it's not aloof from the, the terrain of um, the economy itself. But it's also a uh, natural recognition that the, you know, the, more, the more money a country has, the more money they spend to spend on defense. Right? So there's a realistic angle to, to this as well. So in that sense, you cannot ensure, for want of a better term, traditional security without economic security. And, but having said that, 
Um, there are some issues which are which are interesting of the current context of Pakistan, and here it's not just the economic context, but the social political discourse that, that Pakistan is also witnessing at the moment itself. Um, and if we if we look at the at the economic discourse um, and the discussion about economic security within the national security policy, we find that it reflects at, at a broader level the social economic discourse of the Imran Khan government and um, its emphasis on what it describes as human welfare, equitable economic development. And we find in the NSP a reflection of um, the approach of the current government in Pakistan um, to emphasize its role in providing welfare programs. Now, this could be the SR scheme, which is a social welfare scheme, or the Panagar scheme, which is the um, homes for, for the lower economic strata, etc. And in this sense, we, we find, the, I, I'm very interested in not just the fact that economic security is, is at the center of much of the document, but the way in which um, the economic discourse is framed and national security discourse is framed as well. Now, to, to, to kind of uh, exemplify what I mean here, um, I, I would like to just point out that the NSP identifies and frames three challenges that um, the Pakistan's, uh, or Pakistan's national security faces in economic terms. And these are, uh, as, as framed in the document itself, external imbalance, vertical inequalities, and horizontal inequalities. And I, I find these three, um, these three um, broad frames in which the NSP highlights certain issues to be very illustrative. Now, with regards to the first, external imbalance, this is a reference to the issue of higher foreign exchange outflow. And if we look at the document itself, it speaks about the need for Pakistan's prosperity or, or the development of prosperity to to be, or rather the fact that Pakistan's economic development and prosperity in the future will be linked to its exploration of markets in Eurasia and Africa. So that's an interesting element itself about how it positions itself um, geoeconomically. The second um, framing device, vertical inequality. Here, the document primarily is referring to the gap between the rich and the poor. And this is where you, you see the parallel between... Um, um, the economic, socio-economic discourse of the IK government, uh, Imran Khan government, I should say, and the um, and the NSP, because in the NSP it's highlighted that vertical inequalities of the gap between the rich and the poor will be addressed by providing direct support, and this is again a direct reference to the welfare schemes itself. What I find most interesting out of this tree is the third framing device, the horizontal inequalities. What I described as horizontal inequalities. And here, the reference is specifically to unequal regional development and regional aspirations. And this, the NSP argues, is to be addressed through development packages. They don't go into details about it, but this is alluded to in there. And I, for me, I, I think this is an important recognition of unequal, unequal um, regional development, but also the fact that now there is a recognition of the fact that it is this, or rather the recognition of the fact that unequal regional economic development is linked to issues of internal security and that these issues have to be dealt with more equitable distribution of development, etc. 
Um, and and this this is a this is a long held debate that's been going on in, in Pakistan itself. Now, if we if we turn to um, other economic issues that have been addressed in the NSP, we find that it also deals with issues about the future of the job market in Pakistan. And it observes, for instance, that um, just to give you one example, that the current jobs may be obsolete in the next three decades. And it calls for more investment um, in startups, in public-private partnerships, and the creation of more high-tech jobs. Now, whether this is realistic, um, given the current context, realistic game is a different issue. This is this document is is highlighting vision, aspirational. Says I think you you mentioned earlier. There is also interestingly a discussion about the energy crisis in Pakistan, and it highlights the issue of low output. And there is a proposal of um, increasing renewable energy to to become about thirty percent of the pool of Pakistan's energy production by twenty thirty. So in this sense, there is a there's a broad net on economic issues that that have been highlighted. Thank you, thank you so much for unpacking the the layers of the NSP's uh, uh, economic vision. Uh, I wanted to move to another uh, dimension of the document um, that you sort of touched on, um, the internal and external threats and challenges to national security. In your opinion, what are some of the major threats to Pakistan's national security? And do you think the NSP addresses these uh, adequately, correctly, or, or and with clarity? Well, one of the one of the um, important things about the document is that it it recognizes and it discusses the big issue of internal threats and terrorism within Pakistan itself. And as I stated earlier, this is not this is not novel to this document itself. This discussion has been has been ongoing. Um, but I think the the very fact that there is there is a there is a it's an important aspect to the NSP that deals with the issue of social cohesion. And it talks about how social cohesion needs to be developed through the cultivation of national values, ethnic uh, celebration of ethnic identities, uh, religious, cultural, and linguistic linguistic diversity is interesting in itself. So the one of the terms that that um, that uh, features in the NSP is the idea of unity in diversity, and the reference here is to religion, but primarily to ethnicity as well. Um, and this, this, this is an important discussion. This is an important discussion. I think this is a real threat that's been recognized um, and it's been highlighted in this document itself. Um, I also would welcome the idea that um, there is a level of um, acceptance that the solution to this issue partly, partly lies in um, educational institutions, cultural institutions, and the need to develop a inclusive national discourse. Now, the reference clearly here um, in the NSP um, is to the, um, ethno, uh, ethno, uh, ethnic movements in Baluchistan, uh, but also Pashtun movements like the Pashtun Tahfuz movement, and also the Tariqe uh, Taliban Pakistan or the TTP. Um, and it's also, I, I, I found it interesting that... Um, The um, there is this recognition of this internal security threat, but also there is a recognition for the need to this this uh, internal security threat to be linked to a wider discourse of the digital world and cybersecurity. 
And here, um, the NSP itself states that they they will implement a policy, the government will implement a policy uh, promising swift and uncompromising action against those producing and disseminating hate speech and material. So there is a recognition of this problem here. Now, whether this is going to transcend into uh, actual action is a different definition. So when, when you when you ask about, do I think the issues are being addressed, um, the important internal and external issues are being addressed, my my response is that I think they've highlighted the issues. I would like to see how this is uh, implemented uh, at the ground level. Um, the other thing about, about noting uh, about the NSP um, is that there is still an emphasis on the fact that Subnational movements, such as what's going on in Balochistan and, and some uh, Pashtun movements, um, is still within the NSP linked and seen through the lens of um, the interference or influence of foreign foreign intelligence agencies. So that discourse is still is still there. There is still um, an attempt of framing these internal um, threats as actually emanating from external sources, and so that that lens is still there. And um, so how much of change this is going to bring um, remains to be to be seen. And of course, as, as, as uh, we, anybody who studies Pakistan is aware of, um, the idea of controlling many of these groups is far more complicated because of uh, state collusion, state support and patronage for some of these factions as well. Um, but it's a welcome discussion that's, that's, that's there with regards to internal threats. Um, with regards to foreign um, policy and external threats, um, I see continuity on this front. I don't think there is um, there is any drastic change from Pakistan's previous policies. Um, they may be couched in different language, but I think the, the key um, issues are, continue to be formulated. Um, I, of particular interest to me is the attempt in the NSP to define, as I mentioned earlier, and sorry to repeat myself, but how Pakistan seeks to define its own position vis-a-vis -vis the United States and, and China. And um, the NSP itself um, speaks about the way it's trying to break away from Cold War camp politics and, and develop new frames in itself. I think um, in this regard, the, the fact that um, foreign policy is also being spoken in terms of trade, investment, energy, security and intelligence cooperation is an interesting um, uh, uh, framing of it as well. Um, it is no surprise, I would say, that uh, India remains the major concern, though India is not mentioned, uh, not often mentioned in the document itself, but um, anybody who studies the region would know um, what this uh, reference is to. There's also a discussion on the issue of um, um, greater connectivity with Central Asia. Um, and here, Afghanistan is presented um, as a key to this um, greater connectivity. So while, while in terms of looking beyond South Asia itself, the, much of the trust remains um, in, in, continuing, in it's continuing um, major ideas that have always been there. Perhaps I would say the one element that I found rather interesting was um, when it came to discussing Pakistan's role in the future um, beyond South Asia, there is a emphasis on it as a geo-economic player rather than geopolitical player. And here there's a reference to uh, not only the Indo-Pacific uh, region, but uh, specifically Central Asia and Africa. So I thought that, that perhaps was a new orientation that, that, that it's worth keeping an eye on.
I, I liked what your uh, I liked your point about the translation of I guess identifying these issues and and the dilemma of uh, how to translate them into action and in implementation. I want to come back to that perhaps later in our conversation. I wanted to ask you, so the NSP centers security in framing or imagining Pakistan's futures and potentials. Are there challenges in persisting with the focus on security? Uh, for example, does it still center the security establishment as the major promoter, defender, definer of national interests and aspirations? Do you see any issues or problems uh, in this discourse? This is a good question because it, it needs to be noted that there is no, although we've gone to the terrain of geoeconomics with, um, with the NSP, there is no clear differentiation between, um, or there's no demarcation between, as you as you rightly point out, there's no clear demarcation between the realm of security and economics. In fact, they are they overlap with each other in this document itself. And there's no the the economic interests of Pakistan are very much framed in relation to its security interests as well. But beyond this, right, there is no demarcation of um, of the role of the military as being specific to certain terrain and not in other terrain itself. And this is uh, this is not likely to to, to change. This is a his- the military in Pakistan has historically played a very important role in various sectors of the country itself. Um, and maybe 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 it's worth again highlighting that um, that while there was consultation of certain sectors of certain sections of the public, the parliament was not uh, part of this process. Right, elected officials were not uh, institutionally um, part of the process of discussing. This documentation itself. So I, I think that's a that's a that's an important qualifier here itself. And I guess it, it suffices to say that the army is very much part of the equation. Um, not only has the army, uh, now military, I should say, made statements about the importance of the geo-economic vision. It's actually been part of the discussions of the pol- economic future of Pakistan with business houses, business leaders. Etc. as well. So I would say that the military is still very much part of the equation and there is no real distinction being made between the economic and uh, national security interests of Pakistan. In fact, they're collated. Thank, thank you for that. Um, moving towards foreign policy and international relations, uh, you touched on a lot of this already and I was wondering if you could explain a little bit more. So sec- Section 7 of the NSP outlines opportunities and challenges Pakistan faces with its neighbors and key international partners. Uh, It's unsurprising, perhaps, that India bears the focus of Pakistan's concern and the dispute over Jammu and Kashmir continues to be at the center of tensions and suspicions between the two states. Are there any notable surprises or omissions in the NSP's outlining of Pakistan's foreign policy goals. I think you mentioned Central Asia uh, was one element, but I was wondering if you could elaborate on your earlier points a little bit more. Sure. In terms of surprises and omissions, I, I would say that uh, I, at a substantive, le- substantive level, I would not say that there are any surprises encapsulated in this, uh, in this document itself. Um, India still remains at the core of um, its foreign policy and uh, external um, national security interests. 
as I, as I uh, mentioned earlier, the um, India, although not mentioned in name, is still seen to be linked to internal threats as well. So there is a continuation um, of discourses at this level itself. Uh, on the Jammu and Kashmir issue, in my perspective, it's it's more of the same with the NSP. Um, but I I don't think we could have uh, expected a drastic change on this issue. Anybody who was expecting... Uh, a drastic change in Pakistan's policy towards Jammu and Kashmir, and and looking to the document for that, I I think were were misguided. This is this was not going to present that. This the issue of Jammu and Kashmir is entwined um, at various levels within uh, Pakistan's uh, national consciousness, as ways at which. So I I didn't expect anything on that level. The NSP still links um, the Kashmir dispute or describes the Kashmir Kashmir dispute as a vital national uh, issue of vital national security interests um i i perhaps i perhaps i would venture to say that um while i was expecting that um the i i was um, hoping that there would be some discussion about foreign trade and connectivity uh, with india beyond the, the the Jammu and Kashmir frame. I mean, um, and here the, my, my reference is to the fact that um, any any trade that did exist between the two uh, pretty much came to a halt after um, India altered the uh, political status of Jammu and Kashmir um, in 2019. And Pakistan took the, the step of, a uh, very visible step of um, ending um, such negotiations about trade deals and um, more, more trade ne- uh, negotiations or pacts with each other. Looking at the way the NSP is framed um, with regards to connectivity, the fact that connectivity is a major issue being discussed, the fact that um, it's talking about geoeconomic, I think Pakistan needs to at some stage, or I feel Pakistan needs to at some stage uh, address this issue um, of trade um, despite political differences and political tensions as well. Perhaps it, perhaps it needs to look at the playbook of uh, India and China in that, in that way as well. Um, and I, I was hoping to see more. I, I wouldn't say that I was expecting to see it, but I was hoping to see. So that's one omission that um, that um, that I, I, I feel is, is, it uh, needs to be addressed going ahead. And of course, this 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 um, we should also highlight here, right? That the NSP is a work in progress in that sense. This is a vision till twenty twenty six, and it's on paper. It's supposed to be taken forward. Issues are supposed to be increasingly discussed as well and reviewed. Um, in in terms of um, Omissions. Maybe another issue that I think um, that that seems to be um, seems to have not received enough of interest is Pakistan's relationship with Iran. Um, and given that there is this this entire document is framed very much within the context of what's going on between Pakistan's positioning with regards to America and and China, um, it seems to have skirted over the issue of Iran. There's very important geoeconomic and geopolitical relations with Iran that, that need uh, more attention. Given the context, uh, not least given the context in Afghanistan as well, um, but I, I would say right, one of the major things that's lacking in this document is it's an ambitious statement of vision. Where's the roadmap? What are the what are the steps that are uh, going to be taken to achieve these aims? Um, that's one of the major omissions in this in this document, and I guess one should say that you know it's it's a document that presents itself as a statement of um, a vision for Pakistan. But this needs to be backed up with uh, how this is going to, going to be taken. So I would say that was one of the major omissions. Thank you so much. I think you 
touched on an important point. Uh, where's the roadmap? Uh, and I think that relates back to what you were saying earlier about actions and implementation. But you also mentioned that, uh, uh, I guess, you know, um, this NSP document is something of a, a mission statement almost, uh, and it's a work in progress. Um, and given that it's sort of uh, open to annual revision, I wanted to ask you how realistic how realistic you think the goals are that are set out in the document? This is a, an interesting question. There, there are some statements which, um, for example, the, the idea of um, transforming into upper middle income country, um, uh, that's, you know, given the economic realities, uh, the context that is recognized by the document itself, um, these are very highly ambitious aims. Um, given the time frame that this document pertains to as well. So this is an example of this uh, issue as well. I think in addition to the fact that um, there is no roadmap provided for these issues, um, one really needs to look at how um, this is going to play out within the parliamentary circles now. Because all of these aims, ambitions, etc. need concrete policies. And these concrete policies need to be framed very much in the legislative terrain. And herein lies one of the problems. One is that the parliamentarians were not part of the process of this formulation. And there's been some pushback of this in, in parliament itself. Although I should, I should also state here that much of the criticism in parliament is not about the aims and ambitions of the, of the document, but about the fact that parliament was not part of the, the discussions itself. So that's an important uh, caveat to, to the current debate. But... The reason I allude to the legislative uh, issue here is that if we look at the time frame of this document, it covers 2022 to 2026. This gives the government pretty much um, four years from now to deliver on this uh, aspect, right? The current government in Pakistan is two years remaining because you're going to have elections in two years. So if there's a change of government, will this document carry on? Will the NSP as a, as a project still exist? Um, will it be reviewed? And if it's reviewed, what sort of priorities will change? So that's a big question mark on the document itself, about the time frame itself. Um, although, if, if you hear what's being said within Pakistan itself, um, in fact, many of those involved in framing this document have highlighted that this document itself is a culmination of earlier ideas. So there is this, this um, view that this is a vision statement that will be reviewed by future governments as well. And the hope is that it continues to be developed in that sense. So maybe we should approach it as a statement and work in progress rather than something with um, hard-defined aims that will be uh, implemented in, um, in the next two years or four years for that matter. Professor Iqbal, thank you so much for lending us your time and expertise today. It was a pleasure speaking to you, Imran. Thank you for having me. You're listening to South Asia Chat. If you wish to learn more about our work, please visit us at isas.nus.edu.sg.